As parents, we need to be more involved in the educational process of our children. Welcome to Chalk Talk with your host, Eric Hamilton. The three pillars of Eric's approach to parent engagement are academics, accountability, and advocacy, which empower parents to better support success at the child, school, and system level. And now, here is Eric Hamilton. Hello, America and listeners around the world. My name is Eric Hamilton, and tonight I have an awesome show for you lined up. We're going to talk about an issue that is near and dear to my heart around technology in schools. And tonight's show is entitled Technology, Who Needs It Anyway? This is an issue that I believe is one of those issues that depending upon your age, depending upon your experiences, your outcome experiences and and where you lie in this this debate. We have multiple degrees of opinion around the use of technology in education today. Before I get started and to talk about what we're going to talk about, I want to put that phone number out there, 1-888-346-9141. I want to Put that number out there in order to get people to call because I want to hear your opinion. I think this is a debate. I don't think that there is a right or wrong answer, but it's a perspective around the use of technology in classrooms. I'm going to put forth some information tonight that is not designed to diminish some of the advancements that we have made in the field of education using technology. I'm not trying to discount how technology has benefited. I know that in my classrooms over the years, I have truly learned a lot from students who have used technology in order to present incredible projects. I have learned a lot around how to make my presentations a lot more effective and to reach different audiences using technology. But I believe if you ask any parent today, they will talk about this increasing use of technology. And they oftentimes will have challenges around how much of technology is appropriate. Where do we as a society draw the line in terms of saying, hey, we're at a point now where we really need to start moving the pendulum back towards moving away from some of these technological advancements. So I have quite a bit of information that I want to share, and I'm going to post a lot of the sites as well as the links uh, on my Facebook page uh, tonight, as well as some things on Twitter that I think if you're a parent and if you have this uh, a particular issue around technology, I would love to hear from you tonight. I'd love for you to get in on this debate. Oftentimes, I tell my students over the years is that I believe there are no right or wrong answers. I think it's answers that we have to live with. I think that there are plenty of good uses of technology and there are some some uses of technology and where uh, someone obviously has uh, some motives around how technology is being utilized. So I think we're going to have a great show in terms of topic and conversation and would love to have your input. I want to start by talking about Who needs it anyway? I have seen from my own 10 plus years of education, I have seen 
this subtle, subtle increase of technology. Uh, this, and in my opinion, I believe that technology is being overused in a way in our society. It's being overly used, meaning some of us are simply relying on the technology uh, and not the actual thinking, the actual critical thinking skills, the actual analysis that it takes in order to use the technology properly. I remember when technologies were was introduced and I have seen technology uh, do some amazing things. Somewhere in the 1990s, our many public school systems in today were taken over by this simple idea. The simple idea is, is that technology will help American students. Technology will simply help American students to compete. During my many times working with Atlanta Public School System, working in Washington, D.C., I have noticed this unbelievable increase in the idea that technology in terms of classroom, smart boards, every student having a laptop, I have seen this incredible, credible drive to make sure that the digital divide, that's a word you hadn't heard in a while, but the digital divide is actually getting smaller. I'm going to define that in a moment. And along with this attempt to um, decrease this digital divide, we have really moved into a place where now we're starting to focus on how can we get the latest and greatest of smart boards? How do we get the latest and greatest in terms of uh, different types of technology pieces? And I've seen some really good ones in the classroom. And before those, those uh, proponents of technology began to attack what my premise is on the show tonight, I just want to say, again, I believe that technology has a role if it's used properly. In the 1990s, there was this idea that everyone needed to close the digital divide. The digital divide is a term used to describe how technology was only being used by the fastest, the most wealthiest individuals in our society. And many of those who do not have the proper representation, who have the ability to go to schools where the latest and greatest technology was around, those individuals were left out those individuals were left out of what's called the digital divide. Many of our uh, presidents, particularly Bill Clinton, I remember uh, talking on this particular issue back in the 90s about how it was important to bring rural America into the digital uh, age. And his administration in particular provided for so many what we would call E-rate grants, which was basically grants that allowed public school systems to apply for money, those systems would, would be awarded money and school systems would receive grants to help improve their technology. Not only did they improve their technology, but they also received what I call human capital. Human capital is this idea of going out and getting individuals who are trained in technology, who have the ability to support teachers in the classroom. So there has been this push uh, for many, many years to get uh, technology into the classroom. I can remember uh, my daughter's school in Atlanta when 
uh, her her school received the latest and greatest uh, Macs, the Apple brand. They're huge screens with Bluetooth technology. Uh, most school systems today, that piece of technology that she had in 2004, uh, maybe 2000, well, a little bit later than that, those school systems uh, would be, that type of technology would be considered outdated. So there's always this push. There's always this push to make sure that we're on the cutting edge. But the information I'm going to present to you is a different perspective that you may not get. You may not hear that there's another side to this technological advancement that's going on. Smart boards. If you're not familiar with Smart Boards America, Smart Board is this incredible piece of technology that allows teachers to A, write on a board, have those words disappear, for students to come up to the board, to touch, to draw, to paste, to immediately bring the internet alive, to have sounds, to project movies. It is truly an incredible piece of technology. It has really changed how uh, in my field, which is social studies, as well as in others, ha- can present their information to students. However, I'm going to present a couple of articles as well as a couple of schools in America where they have a different perspective around the use of technology. The first thing that I want to uh, quote to you, there is an article by a gentleman by the name of Nicholas Carr. Nicholas Carr wrote an article, I believe, in 2012 called, Is Google Making Us Stupid? I read that article a couple of days ago as I was doing my research for the show. And Nicholas Carr makes a very interesting read. It's a, it's a short read. The ironic part is, is that you have to actually Google it on Google in order to find it, which I find ironic. But... He makes a very interesting observation around reading. What is reading? Reading, according to him, has changed. Um, His credentials are in the ability to do literary text analysis. And his concern, as my concern, is are students, are young people really, truly engaging in reading higher-end texts? Are we getting that connection with the text that perhaps only a well-written book would be able to 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 reveal. So he makes this interesting article. He says that reading is actually changing, that meaning is actually changing. So in other words, you could read a particular text and there's this skill called inference, which which I use frequently. Inference is that ability to communicate without saying. It's reading between the lines. And according to Mr. Nicholas Carr, many of the the texts that we read, and when I say text, I don't mean text messages. I'm actually coming to that. Many of the texts that we read, the actual inference skill, that ability to read between the lines, that ability to pick up Arthur's tone, that ability to draw conclusions, That particular skill, and I will say that is a skill, as we move into technology, the Internet lacks a lot of the text that allows for many of our younger people in our society, as well as older people, I might say, 
that skill is not something that uh, technology is allowing for. Um, he makes the article that people no longer read for a deeper meaning uh, within the context. Those are his observations. People don't read for a deeper meaning. I know as a child, I started off reading only because my sisters, uh, particularly my older sister, had found a way to get me to read. I think males, and there may be some research, I'm, I'm certain there's some research that backs this up, but I think that females typically at an early age are gravitated, uh, gravitate towards different types of reading texts, whereas males are a lot more challenging. And what got me reading was Sports Illustrated. I was, as I am today, really into sports. And I would say to all the moms out there who are struggling to get your sons to read, you may want to try uh, something that's sports related. You may want to take advantage of Sports Illustrated because that's what got me into to reading. I would look forward to reading a particular um, publication every time it came out. It got me always wanting to go to the mailbox in order to to uh, to see what was going to happen uh, with the particular sports story that's going on. So. It's really important to make sure that you have something, something to read. Um, I can't stress enough about how that is important. But this particular article that Nicholas Carr talks about, he is suggesting that books are uh, books that are written from great authors, people who have the ability to communicate and for teachers to evaluate. When we rely strictly on many of the internet sites that we have, many of them are not written at a level that promotes critical thinking. And I can't tell you the number of times as a high school social studies teacher that every year, and I can say this with full disclosure, every year we were trained how to prepare students to take standardized tests. Uh, Georgia um, uh, public schools at that time had this thing called a inference question. And that was the question that was usually weighted more. That was the question that a lot of students missed. And, and they missed, it, missed that question because they lack what we call this inference skill. So Nicholas Carr, he has written this particular article and he has made some interesting observations that now what students do, and I've seen this now, as opposed to actually thinking, where can I go and find this particular solution? What book could I read to perhaps direct me to uh, research? Uh, now Google is this universal medium that people simply if you want to learn to do something, who has time to read a book? You just simply Google it. And when you Google it, it tells you what to do. And he is saying that's not necessarily a bad thing. But what he is suggesting is, is that there is a skill there that is not being fulfilled with many of our young individuals who are trying to read very challenging texts. Before, go, uh, before I go to my first break, I want to I want to take us back real quickly to if you can remember a time when you read uh, Shakespeare, if you read something from Richard Wright, if you read something 
from Ernest Hemingway or, 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 or any great author, one would consider a great author, if you can remember a time when you, you were challenged to understand what the meaning of the text was, you couldn't get the language down. You couldn't break down the old English that you might see in Macbeth. Um, there's a lot of that cultural thing that if you read Mr. Carr's uh, article, he suggests. Why do I bring that to your attention, parents? Because those are the skills that we need to make sure that in all our fun things, all of our technological things, all of our how to how to Google, uh, how to jumpstart a car, what, whatever it is you're trying to learn, in order to make our students and our children competitive, we have to push them. We have to push them to make sure that they're not being allowed not to tap into their to their best, uh, highest capacities. So I'm going to take my first break. When I come back, I'm going to reveal some alarming statistics around the use of cell phones and text messages. And some of these text messages and the rates in which we use them often supports uh, what Mr. Carr talks about in his article. So when I return, we will have another conversation around the use of technology and who needs it anyway. what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com It's time to eradicate barriers that are holding you back in your relationships and your life. Start by embracing the concept of laughing loudly and loving deeply. Coincidentally, that's the name of a highly anticipated new show featuring host Dr. Faith Brown. She'll talk with life experts or life spurts in order to help you develop your own vision plan for better relationships and experiencing the ultimate enjoyment in life. Laughing Loudly, Loving Deeply with Dr. Faith can be heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. We'll be right back. 
You are listening to Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton. We want to hear from you during today's show by phone or by email. Please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to schoolwise at yahoo.com. That's S-C-H-O-O-L-W-H-Y-S at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to Chalk Talk. My name is Eric Hamilton, and tonight we are talking about technology. Who needs it anyway? It appears that we have a caller that would like to address a question. Go ahead, caller. Hello. Hello. Hi. Uh, my name is Jackie, and uh, I, I thought that your um, recommendation of Sports Illustrated was an excellent one for, uh, for boys to read. Uh, I would like to know at, at what age or grade level would you recommend Sports Illustrated? All right. That's a great question, and thank you for the call. Um, I think that Sports Illustrated, particularly for uh, males, is very appropriate around uh, second, I'm sorry, third and fourth grade. If ah. those of us who remember from last show, the last show that I did, we talked about the importance of getting uh, reading levels up to where they should be by third and fourth grade. Mm-hmm. So it's really important. And the good thing about Sports Illustrated now, they have so many different variations of Sports Illustrated. They have the, the cartoons. They have the ones that are just appropriate for children uh, of different ages. So if I had a, a young man and if the teacher who was saying that my child, you know, doesn't seem to want to read much or hasn't found that niche around reading, I think that would be something that I would definitely put into their hands immediately. Mm. Thank you. Wonderful suggestion. Thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Enjoying the program. Thank you. So, again, and, and the other thing I think we talked about was is that um, when it comes to the reading piece, you can always go to the school librarian and they have a lot of things that are inside the, um, uh, the, the libraries there that have different types of reading materials. And they, they are good references to try to figure out what would be good reading material. So, again, caller, thank you for that call. Um, I want to talk about some very interesting um, statistics. I am a, a, a big proponent of statistics. Um, I think they're interesting. I think they reveal a lot of things. As I did research for tonight's show, I was absolutely blown away by the numbers. Um, first of all, there is a research firm called Text Requests LLC. If you go to textrequestllc.com, you can get unbelievable uh, results around text messaging and the amount of research that it's that has gone into text messaging. And you will see the conclusions that perhaps Nicholas Carr in his article is making. First of all, there are approximately eight trillion text messages sent a year. Think about that. Eight trillion text messages. 22 billion text messages are sent every day. This is around around the world. Um, 
81% of Americans send a text message on a regular basis. Um, text messages, Americans text message, they, they tend to send text messages twice more than they do when it comes to actually picking up a phone to actually call. Americans are more likely to send a text in order, uh, in order to communicate, which I think is interesting. 50%, and here's the point that I'm actually getting to, 50% of adults between the ages of 18 and 24 say that text communication is just as meaningful as a phone call. You think about that. So what does that per- perhaps could indicate? If you haven't received a text message, you will know that a lot of times it's very informal. There's no standard um, standard grammar, uh, although the, the technology allows for it to be, you know, to, to self-correct. But I would describe uh, text messages as much like the article that Mr. Carr was saying. He, it was he was suggesting that there's no deeper meaning in terms of the skill set that's needed in order for us to read at a higher level. When you look at the amount of text messages uh, that's going out, um, it's incredible. It's incredible this new form of communication that we're doing, that we are communicating with each other. Now, between the ages of 18 and 24, those are young adults who are now getting in, who have graduated. When you look at those numbers, you will see that more and more as children now get a cell phone at an early age, they are more and more likely to text each other and to use what I would call, you know, technological speech than to actually do what what people used to do a long time ago is to write a letter. I remember when people had a pen pal and people would write letters and, and people would correct grammar and people would really look into these things. So, if you look at the high use of text messages, I often wonder, I often wonder how much of this informal communication is now the norm for how we communicate. How much of this uh, type of communication is the one that many individuals, particularly young people who are not being um, self-directed or not being say, hey, you know, this is not how you communicate. Um, it's okay to communicate with your friends in a very informal way. I, I totally get that. But do they have the ability to switch, to switch gears from, hey, this is to my friends, but hey, this is for a paper, or hey, this is a college application, this is a college essay, or this is a proposal at work. Are we doing a good job to manage that? And I'm suggesting to parents who are listening is that if we say that we're truly trying to be that parent who is constantly promoting the three A's, which is the academics, which is the accountability, and finally, which is the advocacy piece. What can we do to make sure that technology doesn't take over our lives? What can we do to make sure that we have that balance? And and that's what the purpose of this show is for. You look at the numbers of individuals. Think about that. Um, approximately the average consumer in America, this is according to Text Request LLC, the average individual in America sends approximately three text messages on average, on average, about three an hour. That's a lot of text messages. 
Now, of course, we're talking about through, you know, the hours of about eight to maybe nine or 10, depending upon when, you know, individuals go to bed. We're talking about an average of somewhere around 72 text messages a day. And that's our new form of communicating. Um, I grew up in a time where individuals would write letters. It was, you know, I, I look forward, believe it or not, in college uh, to get a letter from somebody. I know it sounds like totally old now, but I remember, you know, looking forward to going down to the mailbox and having a letter from my mom, um, you know, encouraging me. And when you write letters, there's certain styles that you have to kind of go for. You have to, you know, there's this level of um, of pride. You didn't want to, you know, write a letter and not use proper grammar. So these are the kinds of things that as a parent, and I know it's a struggle, but this is the purpose of Chalk Talk, is to have these kinds of conversations where you normally may not have this kind of conversation with your English teacher. Technology, who needs it anyway? Um, there are a lot of uh, movement around what can we do? What can we do to make sure that we are following some, some standards? Now, there will be some who will say, hey, Eric, you can go online and you can read some of those classical things. You're absolutely right. You can go online. You can read Macbeth. You can read uh, Beowulf. You can read all of these um, literacy uh, uh, classics uh, that has some very challenging texts. You do. I would suggest that those things are going to be only during a limited amount of time. And I think there's no substitution for the power of a book and being able to to read and being able to have a balance, you know, being able to have a balance around your use of technology. The other thing is that I do believe that over the years, there have been individuals who have promoted technology as a quick fix. Technology has been used and abused by individuals who promise high returns, but oftentimes fail to deliver what was promised. And there's many in our society, myself included, who believe there's no substitute for good teaching. You can have the best technology in the world. You can have the best smart boards in the world. You can have issue uh, all laptops. You can issue this incredible piece of technology. But does it really substitute the impression that a teacher leaves on a child? Does it really substitute the ability to get students involved in a play, uh, to get them to move around? Um, I remember as a child, and I, you know, it's, it's amazing how when we look back at our past, those things that stand out to us. So, of course, I grew up uh, in the my, my formal education was in the early 1980s. I didn't have a technology. We didn't have um, we didn't have an iPad. We didn't have the Internet. We had books, we had chalkboards, we had what was many considered outdated types of mentality. But if you can remember all the things that you did, I remember a play that I was in where I unfortunately, well, I won't say unfortunately, but I had to play uh, in the fifth grade. It was a play on the solar system. And our teacher had us all to dress up and to be a planet and I was a little bit taller for my age and I had a chance to play Jupiter 
And I remember doing the research, writing down things about Jupiter, how big it was. Um, it was a lot of fun to do, to be a part of something like that. And sometimes I wonder, uh, does the technology that we have, are we, are we killing or are we suppressing, uh, which is a better word, the creativity that, um, that a lot of students have? So it's really important, parents, to try to strike that balance between the technology piece as well as some of the traditional standards that I think that all students would agree are good skills, reading skills. There is a school. So many people, many public school systems, um, I'll give you a current event that has just occurred today. The Trump administration, the Trump administration just released a a a proposal that they're going to award to different school systems to the tune of $200 million, $200 million to promote computer science to individuals, particularly females, particularly minorities who have been um, not been able to participate in that particular field. That actually was just released today. So there is still this, this push around technology. Um, many of the schools that I've been at in the last five years, there's such this desire in order to make sure that not only do, do our students literate, uh, but they also have some technological skills uh, that's going to prepare them for the workplace. So I, I do think it's a debate that we currently have. And as I said earlier, I don't think it's a matter of a right answer or a wrong answer. I think it's the ability to make sure that you are aware that there are some challenges with this use of technology and how we can put some proper uh, boundaries to make sure that our students are getting the best of both worlds. Now, the one that I think is gonna shock individuals, if you're not aware of this, please Google this. And again, there we go, using technology in order to learn stuff. There is a school in uh, California called the Waldorf School. It's located in Silicon Valley. And I've been looking at this school for approximately three years because being a proponent of schools, I always enjoy looking at alternative ways to educate young people. I am totally fascinated around how school systems around the world educate. I love to see how people have different approaches. Many times in America, we unfortunately seem to think that we have the best and the only way to do it. I'm going to take my final break for the night, but when I come back, and I want to go ahead and set this up, there's a school in Silicon Valley. Now, for those of who may not know, Silicon Valley is the technology capital of the world. Silicon Valley is a place where millionaires, people who have money, can't afford to live because the real estate is so high. The, the, the desire to be in Silicon Valley is a lifelong dream for anyone in computer science industry. What's interesting is in this Waldorf school, and they have a philosophy called the Waldorf Way, located in Silicon Valley, Ironically, most of the individuals, the CEOs of Yahoo, Google, uh, many of the companies that actually make 
the the hard drives, the the chips, all the things that go into actually creating a computer that we all use and, and seem to really rely upon. Ironically, many of those individuals send their kids to these private schools where they have a no testing philosophy. They have a no tech philosophy. And they actually believe learning should be done by doing, which is interesting because one would think if they are such a proponent in the technological world that they would, their kids would be the ones that would have the latest and greatest. But when we come back from our break, I want to illustrate to you what this school is doing, why so many individuals love it. Um, There have been many media sources that have covered it. CNN has covered it quite nicely, which is kind of ironic for them, but they have done a good job of covering uh, this form of education. And it's really ironic because they have some very interesting policies around the use of technology. So when we come back from our break, we want to jump right back into a couple of schools in America, particularly the Wardle School. And then we're going to talk about a subject that I know. We're going to talk about technology addiction. We're going to talk about how do you know if your child is addicted to technology? There's a study that I'm going to talk about that I think you will find totally amazing. So we're going to take our last break for the evening and we come back. We're going to talk about more information around technology and who needs it anyway. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you a spiritual seeker? Have you always pondered the deeper questions in life? Have you looked at many spiritual paths and found some answers but are looking for more? The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse, brings you each week practical spiritual teachings and tools that promote self-mastery, higher consciousness, and the opportunity to connect with the Ascended Masters. Join Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy as we explore the universe of spirituality. Live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Empowerment Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You 
are listening to Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton. We want to hear from you during today's show by phone or by email. Please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to schoolwise at yahoo.com. That's S-C-H-O-O-L-W-H-Y-S at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Hello, America. We are back and we are talking about technology. Who needs it anyway? Uh, The purpose of this program is to provide a space for parents to talk about educational related topics that you perhaps may not get in other venues. We're talking about technology, the use, the value of technology, how it's being used, and also around how to create what, what I'm using the word is balance. Um, we're, we're talking about how there are different school systems that different philosophies around the use of technology. Before we took our break, I was talking about a school, uh, the Wardorf School, uh, the Wardorf School of, uh, it's in Silicon Valley. And we were talking about their different philosophical beliefs. They have an interesting belief because they believe learning should be done uh, by doing. They have an interesting policy that students are not exposed to technology up until the eighth grade. The eighth grade, all students are issued a laptop where in order to utilize it, they have to take the laptop apart, dissect it and put it back together again. They have a different philosophy where students are expected to understand that technology should be a tool. It should not be the goal. It should be a tool. So I challenge parents uh, to take a look and do some research around this particular philosophy. I'm going to talk about a couple of things tonight that I found was very interesting. They focused on problem solving. They focus on building hand-eye coordination. They focused on building um, what we would call hand skills. And the thing that I find very interesting about this particular approach, they also find about learning the science behind the subject. That, w- that was something that they talked about. Um, looks as if we have a caller that is wanting to ask a question. If Caller, if you are available, we'd love to hear your question. Uh, yeah, this is T.J. Barcelona from Atlanta, Georgia. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. How do you feel, how do you think our youth uh, view the political landscape uh, concerning Donald Trump as well as his his disrespect or lack of disrespect of the, of the athletic um, stand on the flag situation? What, how do you think our youth looks at him and do they really think he has anything to put his nose in? What What's your thoughts on that? Thank you for the call, Mr. TJ. Uh, You know, it's interesting you bring that up because I am around a lot of youth today and I notice that uh, it's it's kind of an extreme that's going on right now. There are many students who are totally apathetic. So I periodically will ask students, like, what do you know about this particular topic? What, What are you seeing on TV? And I'm amazed at the number of students on one hand who have no idea what you're talking about. Um, they don't get a sense of, of what, you know, what this political talk is about. Then on the other hand, you have another group of students who are highly aware, who are highly motivated, 
And ironically, they're getting most of their information from technology. They're the ones that's going online. They're the ones reading. They're the ones researching. So it just depends upon parent involvement and how much they talk about politics at home and, and like how much are they paying attention to what's going on in the world. It really just depends on the type of child that you have. Okay. Thank you for your, for your answer. I appreciate you. Have a good day, sir. Thank you. Thanks for All the right. call. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. That is a hot topic. And again, I thought it was interesting that, that just before, um, uh, just before we went on air tonight, that that the Trump administration has decided that they really want to put money into um, computer science uh, industry, which is, you know, I guess that's that's always going to be an industry. Um, if we look at this school, you will see that this particular school has a policy that they believe that students should not be exposed to technology. They have no Internet. They have no computers up until eighth grade. They believe in hands-on learning. And again, before the caller, they were talking about the science behind the information. So they really want to get into how things operate. At the age of uh, the eighth grade, then they are given technology. They use it very limit uh, uh, to a limit inside the classroom. And they try to utilize it as a tool, not as the particular end goal. I notice that inside the the schools, when you when you go on their websites and you look at their, um, you look at some of the the YouTube videos where they're actually featuring, you won't see any smart boards, you won't see any uh, whiteboards, which is some of the, kind of the older models. They're all use chalkboards. Um, students will come to the board and will actually write out problems. They will actually use a compass. Um, many of them would use what we would call really outdated um, pieces of, of, of materials in terms of how to uh, best learn. Uh, there's a lot of interviews of, of students as well as parents who talk about their experiences at this particular school. And I think it's important to get that different perspective, to get perhaps technology has a place. Perhaps in our society, we're putting too much emphasis on it. Um, I know that in many societies now, you know, school systems are struggling to figure out how to deal with some of these challenging issues. How do they address uh, with the rising use of technology? And it's really interesting. I find it interesting that you have the leader of the technological free world, Silicon Valley, Many of their CEOs uh, have a policy that they're sending their kids to schools to get particular levels of education without technology. And if you listen to some of their interviews, they will talk about how technology is somewhat of a distraction to them. And I see it in the classroom. I see um, students who can't control their their you know desire to send a text message. I see it more and more over the years. And I think there is a role for it, but if you can't self-regulate yourself, then it becomes what I would call a serious problem. Before we go to our last part, I want to make sure that everybody has an idea of what, what we've covered tonight. We talked about technology. We talked about, in my perspective, that it is it is an overuse of our society, that many of our societies are just 
relying on individuals to use it too much. We do believe that it has a role. It's a tool. It has the ability to facilitate, I would think, some incredible outcomes. I know that I have personally benefited from watching presentations, and I couldn't have gotten that from a book. I had to actually see it on screen. I actually had to hear the sound. So it has a role, but is it is that role the proper role, A, for your child, and B, at what cost? Are we may, perhaps putting too much money into this? Is it time for us to go back and revisit some of the basics? We talked about an article that I recommend everyone have a chance to read called Nicholas Carr is Google making us stupid. And his article is very thought provoking because he is saying that this whole idea of reading has, has actually changed with Google, that unless you have a parent or a teacher or someone of influence to kind of balance out what students read that we're creating a society of individuals who don't have the ability to actually go and find answers for themselves, but who will take a shortcut. I know I've seen that happen where students will, rather than to go actually try to problem solve or to think, they would rather go to Google and they would rather come up with an answer from someone else. And it's pretty disturbing to see how some of us are simply going for the quick fix. So it's really important that you as a parent kind of diversify uh, the tools in your tool bag so that you'll understand, are you getting a different perspective around what your child should or should not be doing? We talked about the number of text messages. And the reason I put that on tonight's show is because I want you to see, particularly for the older generation, is that text messaging is now becoming the norm in terms of communication. There's a lot of research that's showing that businesses, uh, particularly the, the Fortune 500 companies, the, the Walmarts of the world, the Coca-Colas of the world, they're actually starting to phase out voice messaging because the voice messaging service does cost money. And what's happening is, is now that individuals are actually just texting people. They don't use a voicemail anymore. Uh, that is something that I would suspect over the next 10 years, I don't think anyone will have a voice message because it's really starting to become outdated to do that. Now, what more and more younger people are doing is they just go directly to that person and they text them. So it's interesting to see how not only is education struggling with this issue, but it's also interesting to see how businesses are responding to the use of technology. Now, some may say that I may have a negative perspective on it, and I want to make sure that people understand, no, I'm not saying all technology is bad. I'm not saying that we're headed to the days of Terminator, uh, which Arnold Schwarzenegger made millions and millions of dollars talking about how technology would ultimately control man. I'm not going down that road. But what I am saying is, is that as in anything else, it has a particular place. And oftentimes with our busy lives, with the things that we do, are we putting too much emphasis on it? And if so, how do we self-correct? The last thing that I'd like to share very quickly, an incredible study that was done by the University of Maryland. The University of Maryland in 2012 came up with a research that says, and I've been seeing this for the longest, and I know this to be true. 
it's interesting to see it actually in print. Students' addiction, similar, technology similar, similar to drug craving, study fine. The study says the University of Maryland researchers describe students' thoughts as vivid details in which they admit to cravings, anxiety attacks, depression, when forced to abstain from using their medium. One unknown American college student told their overwhelming cravings that they confessed that it was like itching like a crackhead, like crack cocaine. Can you believe that? It's almost like Linus. And again, I'm dating myself. Linus, when Linus is forced to give up his blanket, he would lose it. I have seen students in the classroom. You take their cell phone, they lose it. They can't handle it. Technology. And I again, I recommend you to Google to do research around, is this a phenomenon or is this something people are simply making up? Technology has a role in our society, but it's imperative for us as parents, particularly empowered parents, to be able to make healthy, effective decisions for our for our youth. As I close on tonight's show, I hope that I've had a chance to inspire a parent to do something positive for their child. I hope that I've given you an opportunity to have something to walk into a school tomorrow and provide what I would call effective pushback meaning that you've got something on this show that you can take in tomorrow to a parent, to a a co-worker, to someone that has the ability to say, you know what, I learned something that perhaps I never knew that was going on in my child's life. As parents today, we are overwhelmed with responsibilities. We have so many things that that we're trying to struggle with. It's imperative that you can take an hour out of your time on a Monday just to learn something that perhaps may help your child. So I want to thank those listeners who had a chance to um, participate. Thank the callers that called in. I invite more individuals. Love to hear your feedback. Love to hear a counter perspective. And in always, make sure that you're supporting your child in every way possible to make them more effective. Until next week, hope that you all have a great week. you again for joining us for chalk talk please join eric hamilton again next monday at 7 p.m eastern time 4 p.m pacific time on the voice america empowerment channel for more of everything that parents should know about school